Chapter 152 of Varney the Vampire, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume 3, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 152 The Scene of the Murder, The Visit to the House, The Mysterious Disappearance of the Treasure. The next day came. There was much excitement in the family of the Frasers. Each one could see the partiality of Sir Francis Barney for Miss Stevens. She herself could not pretend that it was not so, or that she was unable to see it. It was quite plain and evident, and yet it gave her great pain, because she had an unconquerable aversion to him who was her benefactor, and to whom she owed so much. This, however, was a strong and inexplicable feeling in her own mind, and she felt that if death or Sir Francis were her only alternatives, she must choose the former. This was from some feeling, from what source it sprung she could not tell you, that appeared to forbid her permitting the approach of such a lover. It might have been instinct, or it might have been that she had taken a personal dislike to him on account of his complexion, and yet she could not admit so much even to herself as that, and yet it must have had an origin. She looked at him much more and more each hour, and more and more did she dislike him. At length she felt so much repugnance to him, that if it were not for the deep gratitude she owed him, she would fly from and not even endure his society, good as that she was compelled to admit really was. When he offered her his arm in their walk to the assembly rooms and the pump room, they were much pleased with the appearance of everything, and with the attentions of Sir Francis, who certainly did all he could to make the party comfortable and amused, he was so well acquainted with every object. As they returned to the hotel, at which they all remained, they passed the house of the old woman who had been so cruelly murdered the night before. Sir Francis cast a cursory glance at it as they passed, but there was no sign of the door having been opened, and the murder had not yet been discovered, and this arose from the fact that the old woman was an eccentric, and her shutters had remained in that way before, and, therefore, no one took any particular notice of it. When the party had reached the hotel, Sir Francis said, "'You will, I presume, attend the ball this evening at the assembly rooms?' "'We should wish to do so,' replied the captain. "'Do you intend to go, Sir Francis?' "'I will, captain. It is now some time since I went to such a place, and I think the change will be so great and agreeable that I will go.' "'Then we shall have the advantage of your guidance,' said Captain Fraser, "'and I hope we shall long have the pleasure of doing so.' "'You are very good in saying so, captain, and, if agreeable to yourself and the ladies,' I am willing, and shall be happy to bear you company. I am sure, replied Mrs. Fraser, we shall always be happy with Sir Francis Barney's company, and thank him for his condescension. Shall we not, sister? Yes, I am sure I shall be much obliged to Sir Francis for this, as well as many other services he has done us. Do not talk in this manner, said Sir Francis. Do not speak of the past, Miss Stevens. It is the present I would wish you to think of. At the same time, I desire only to be accepted, because I may not be thought intruding. Dear me, Sir Francis, how you talk! Really, I am afraid we have said something to give you displeasure, 
or my sister here has misbehaved herself. If so, I shall really take her to task for so doing. You will be acting unjustly if you do, but permit me to leave you for a short time. I have some matters to transact. I expect a remittance of money to this place, for I usually appoint some particular town or city, for I do not consider it safe to carry any great amount of money about me. It gives such temptations to robbery and violence that, traveling as I do, from place to place, I am especially liable to such attempts. Certainly you are. Then I bid you good evening for the present, said the baronet, and he left the room. When Sir Francis left the apartment in which he had been with the Frasers, he walked to his own apartment, and taking a large cloak and a small portmanteau he had purchased, he made his way to the very house where he had the night before committed such a double murder. Before he reached there, however, he put the cloak on, and when he approached the house, he found the street entirely deserted. Then hastily stepping up, he put the key into the keyhole, and at once opened the door and walked in. He paused a moment or two, and then went down the passage a few feet, until he came to the body, for which he felt with his foot. Ah, he muttered, I see all is right, quite right, here is the body, nobody has been here to disturb it. He took out materials for obtaining a light, and then he pushed past and walked upstairs, until he came to the bedroom, where he again opened the strange receptacle of gold and bones. But as he did so, what was his amazement to find a small packet of paper lying down, but all the gold gone? He started up in an instant, and laid his hand upon his sword, but at the same time he appeared riveted to the spot, and paused in this attitude for more than a minute. Then, recovering himself, he gazed around slowly and carefully from side to side, as if to assure himself he was not trapped. But hearing no sound, nothing stirring from any quarter whatever, he began to think there might be some mistake in his vision. Surely, surely, he muttered, no one could come in and, seeing the bodies, possessed themselves of the money and then walked out. They would surely have given the alarm. Besides, any one who had entered would never have gone further than the bodies. It is impossible, he muttered, and he again stooped down to examine the cupboard from which the treasure appeared to be abstracted. But there was nothing to be seen, save the bare boards. No signs of the treasure remained. This was a strange and mysterious disappearance of what could have not gone without human means. How did they get at it? he muttered. The place was locked and in the same order as I left it. There is no getting into such a place without unlocking or forcing open the cupboard, or I may say chest, for this is a strong place. It is not broken open, and I have the key. Varney paused for several moments, and then he picked up some paper, which was folded up, and seeing it was written upon, he thrust it into his pocket, and again looked into the treasure coffer, but all was gone. Dum! muttered Varney, furiously stamping his foot, as if at that moment only he had become perfectly aware of his disappointment. What can be the meaning of this? But this is no place for me. Someone has been here, and the murder is known. I must quit it. Eh? At that moment there came such a peal at the door with the knocker that made the house appear as if it were a pandemonium of noises and echoes, which followed the first stunning sounds that filled the place. 
Varney started and listened. Ah, he said, they have tracked me here. What can that mean? Have they indeed laid a trap for me? Do they think I am caught? But no, no, I am too fast. They know me not, nor can they have traced me here, for they know not where I came from, and... But there, it is useless speculating. They may have laid a trap to catch whom they could, or they... Ah, they have seen the light, and the house being shut all day, they now want to see if anything is the matter. But I'll warrant all is safe and clear. There is nothing known, and all I have to do is to get away. That was very true. All Sir Francis had to do was to get away. But it was somewhat more difficult to perform than he had any notion. For, as he came out into the landing, what he found there was an unexpected obstacle in his path. As soon as he attempted to descend to the back parlor for the purpose of getting out the back window, he found the door had been burst open by the impatience of the mob who stood below, and the door not being very strong, the shoulders of those who were nearest were sufficient to force it open. In a moment the passage was filled with the crowd, the foremost of whom tumbled over the body and were up in a moment. "'Good God!' exclaimed one. "'Here is somebody lying down in the passage!' "'It is a corpse,' said another. "'The woman's murdered,' said another. "'Get a light, get a light, and let us see what is the matter. "'Here is a dead body. "'A light, get a light, can't some of you?' "'Well, I suppose we can, but what of it? "'I expect it can't be done without giving anybody time to do it in. "'If you think it can, you had better do it yourself, "'and perhaps you'll begin now.' "'However, there was a light produced,' and that put an end to the altercation, and silence was immediately restored when they saw the congealed blood and the body lying in it, and then one, on pushing his way into the parlor, exclaimed, "'And here's the old woman. She's dead and cold.' "'She's murdered.' "'Yes, there's no doubt about that, poor creatures, and no one at hand to lend them any assistance. What a horrible affair!' "'Yes, horrible, but who's done it?' There are rooms upstairs. They had better be searched. Let's go up at once. Aye, aye. Sir Francis waited not a moment more. He had heard enough to convince him his only chance was to escape while he could, for if they once seized him under such circumstances, he would not be able to escape again, and he immediately rushed to the back window. But there was no balcony there. He could not get out there, so came to the landing, and just reached the short steps that led to the roof, and there had scarcely got the trap-door unbolted, when he heard a voice say, "'Upstairs, lad, upstairs, I hear somebody there trying to get out. Upstairs, lads, and follow him, upstairs!' There was a shout, and then all rushed upstairs, and Varney had scarcely got into the loft, when someone called out, "'I see his legs! He's got into the loft! Up the steps!' "'Hurrah! Hurrah! Up the steps, my boys! Follow me!' said one man, as he got on the landing and ran to seize the ladder. But Varney saw the necessity of preventing immediate and hot pursuit, lest he should be recognized and followed to the hotel, when that would be death to his hopes. Just as the man had reached the ladder, Varney lifted it off the hooks upon which it hung, and flung it back against the man, who fell back, and he, with the fallen ladder, created a dreadful confusion amongst those who were coming upstairs, many being knocked down, and the remainder retreated, thinking that at least there were a battalion of murderers. 
This gave Varney time to get to the roof, and then he crept along several housetops without being discovered, though he could hear the shouts and hum of the mob as they gathered round the house he had left. Then how to get out of his present position was a question he was not well able to tell. He must let himself out through some of the houses, and to do that without raising a hue and cry was a question he was not able to solve. Once or twice he thought of letting himself down from the outside, but this he gave up as being impossible, for destruction to himself would be the instant result. I must get into one of these houses and remain concealed, he thought, till the dead of the night, and then I could get through the house without any trouble or fear of detection. But then the Frasers, I must not disappoint them. This last consideration appeared to determine him, for he immediately crawled to one house that appeared to be the best calculated for his purpose, and he at once entered it by means of a small window that belonged to an attic. In this room was to be seen only a bed and a few chairs and a table. All was silent, no one was moving. He stepped up to the bed, but was somewhat startled to find it occupied by some odd-looking human form, wrapped up in a curious and uninviting manner. Ah, thought Varney, I didn't think to have found anyone in possession of this place so early, but they sleep, and that is enough. He had scarce said so when a voice said, Nurse, nurse, confound you, why don't you bring my posset? Do you hear, cuss you? Here I have been kept here for two hours without my supper, and what you gave me last night had no rum in it. How's a man to get well and kept upon short allowance? I tell you it cannot be done, not by any price. Will you bring me my grog posset, or won't you? You inhuman wretch, to keep an old sailor upon short allowance of grog, and won't give him any except in the shape of a posset. This was pathetic, but Varney paid no attention to it, and gently glided out of the room. When he quitted the apartment, he descended the stairs, and then he came to the passage or hall, when he was met by a stout female. "'Whom do you want?' exclaimed the fat female. "'Madam,' said Varney, "'are you aware of the calamity that has befallen you?' "'No, sir. What, what is it?' The lunatic in the top room has, in a fit of malignity, set the upper part of your house in flames. You had better take care of yourself. Oh, my God, the house is on fire, said the fat woman. Oh, mercy, mercy, fire, 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 the house is afire. Barney turned round and opened the door, just as several people were rushing out of their rooms at hearing these alarming exclamations. That will do, muttered Varney, as he closed the door behind him, and then walked hastily towards the hotel, to which, however, he did not go quite straight. He went a little on one side to avoid meeting the crowd, as being an unpleasant mass of human creatures, which are singularly unpleasant to meet with, leaving them to secure themselves and find the murderer, if they were able to do so. End of chapter 152 Recording by Tricia G.